Welcome to another episode of Reviews and Done, your number one spot for R&B and hip-hop interviews. What's up, world? It's your interviewer, man of all trades, Derek Dunn of Reviews and Done, back with another interview for Reviews and Done. My guest today is an independent artist, a very talented independent artist. She just released her brand new single called... Uh, Lucky, she's been making noise for a uh, for a minute, but you know she kind of caught my attention a while back when she dropped this joint called Good Love and another one called Can We Slow. You know she was trying to start a little something, but uh, we're gonna get into all that. So welcome to the line, Maddie Ringe. How you doing today, madam? Hey, hey, I'm great. How are you? Bless, bless. Just happy to talk to somebody. You know, I love independent music, and I love when a uh, Artists are staying true to themselves. They're not trying to keep up with uh, current trends, and they're putting the music before the, um, I guess, if you will, popularity or just uh, the sales. So shout out to you for that, and thank you for staying true to your art and producing quality music and not just uh, chasing a trend, as they say. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Cool, cool. So let's get right into it. So... You were born in L.A., and you spent some of your childhood out there. What do you recall about your childhood in L.A., and who was the first celebrity you can recall meeting? So I grew up in Pacific Palisades, which is a little suburb outside of L.A., um, and I actually really loved living close to a big city, so I had access to that, um, while also having, like, trees and the beach, super close by as well. I honestly feel extremely lucky. And, and growing up in L.A., you honestly can't really be, beat this weather. <laughs> I feel bad for people who want to live here and they're like, ah, oh, how do I get, a, get out there? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great to experience both, like, the suburb and, like, the metropolitan life simultaneously and having a place to retreat to when it gets too crazy. Um. And my dad is a Grammy award-winning musician and extremely talented. And through that, I've met a bunch of people, Jonas Brothers, Adam Levine, Maroon 5, um, John Mayer, Will I Am, Adele. And then just being around in LA, I've come across so many different people too, like Matthew McConaughey, Pierce Brosnan, Tyler, the creator, um, so many people. So yeah, I mean, everyone's been super chill. I think L.A. creates that sort of vibe of um, community and respect and having access to that sort of just um, humanizes celebrities. Cool, cool. Yeah, I haven't been out to L.A. in so my age here. 20 years. I haven't been to L.A. since <laughs> 2000. That was my... Um, senior year of high school, my senior trip when I was writing, when I was doing journalism and I met um, the wrestler Al Snow and I met Mankind out there and they were just like in line and you know me, I don't watch wrestling, surprisingly my son huge wrestling fanatic but I had no idea at the time who they were and so the guys mm-hmm. in my class were like, yeah it's Mankind I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. He's famous. I'm like, <laughs> alright well you know, I'm going to you know be a fanboy and ask him for his photo and his autograph yeah. but I do find that, you know, I'm in D.C., so I do find, like, you know, when I do run into somebody that's um, semi-famous or anybody that's um, 
famous. Like if I if I go to his show, a lot of times I'll just catch them, you know, outside, you know, before the um, sound check or yeah. after the show they'll be out. So that's the best time to catch a celebrity is like you know during a sound check or after a um, sound check. So cool, yeah. I'd really want to yeah, get back out to LA. Mm-hmm. Hopefully when this um when this COVID clears up. I mean, I think I've I've pretty much met everyone that I want to that I want to meet or I've either met them or I've, you know, interviewed them or talked to them. Wow. So I really don't have anybody on my bucket list that's left for me to meet per se where I would probably just like choke up and not know what's, um, totally not know what <laughs> like to say. Like total starstruck. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I might get starstruck if I met like somebody like Elizabeth Banks or, you know, a knee along. So those are, you know, bullhead crushes, but <laughs> Normally, it's like when you meet somebody, you're just like, all right, cool. You know, I mean, they're just like you and yeah. I. It's just they're in the public exactly. eye. Totally. Right. So you're also, you know, you sing, but you're also a musician. And, and I understand, you know, just from reading your bio and, you know, getting into your music recently, you started playing the classical piano as early as three. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was it like playing piano at such a young age? Yeah. So my, since my dad is, um, a musician has been on tour, does session gigs. He got my younger brother and I playing music when we were super little, starting on piano. And I feel actually very grateful that we started on piano because it feels sort of like the foundation to other instruments and sort of getting like a grasp on like how things, how music is a language. So learning classical piano as a kid was extremely helpful in being able to, like, use that later, translate that into playing, um, creating original music and other styles. At the time, I hated it. (laughs) As a kid, I was like, Dad, I don't want to play classical piano at 7 a.m. before school. This sucks. (laughs) But but, um, after just years of doing that and, then having the opportunity to perform those pieces in front of audiences just sort of sparked that interest. Classical wasn't ultimately what I was interested in, which is why I ended up like taking a break from it because I almost thought that that was the only option. And then throughout middle school, I was started to sing, and I was like, oh, wait, I could use piano to sing pop songs or, you know, songs that are on the radio or R&B or whatever. So I'm super super grateful for that education so early. And naturally, um, with your dad being a, a musician, do you um, prefer mm-hmm. to read music or do you play by ear? I play by ear mostly. Um, I can read like chord charts and things like that, but I sort of like challenging myself in that way because I think it can be really useful to be able to play by ear because you can replicate things um, sort of on the spot instead of relying on, like, essentially instructions, you know. And a lot of times that sheet music can be wrong or uh, mischarted. So, yeah, I, I like to challenge myself with my ears. <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, a lot of missions that I've interviewed from, from my podcast, uh, Stokely, uh, Stone Packs, and this stuff with – Rick James, they've all told me, like, man, you'd be surprised at how many of our songs that were hits were just jam sessions. And we went back later on and wrote, totally. the, um, wrote the lyrics. So, yeah, I, mean, I love when somebody tells me they can um, play by ear. And it's like, I don't, I don't knock anybody that can read music because I know how 
difficult it is, but if you can play by mm-hmm. ear, like more power to you. <laughs> right. So in addition to your dad, who else would you say were your primarily early musical influences that played a part in you wanting to pursue a musical career? You know, I attribute a lot of my interest in it, in pursuing it more professionally, actually to my teachers. Um, In middle school, there were a couple of vocal teachers that I had that really believed in me, and I think I needed that as a kid to even consider this as a career. But other than actual teachers, I mean, I when I was little, I was going home after school and reading liner notes to, you know, Christina Aguilera, Instinct, Janet Jackson, all those. Now that's what I call music albums. I had like all seventy thousand of them. There's <laughs> like over a hundred of them now. Um, but then my parents are also playing all sorts of things in the house. Like my mom loved Diana Ross, um, Stevie Wonder, Sade. My dad loved Steely Dan, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So we got, we got a good eclectic mix in the house, too, which I feel like I draw my inspiration from, especially now, from those early influences, from, through my parents, mostly. Cool. So you grew up with a very um, eclectic uh, musical taste, if you will. I kind of like yeah. myself. Um, I found, as I've gotten older, um, I mean, I've always been an old soul, because my parents were the same way. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody else was in the Wu-Tang Clan and uh, hip-hop. And, I mean, I love hip-hop growing up, but, you know, me, like, you know, I was more concerned with, you know, listening to Curtis Mayfield and Stevie yeah. Wonder, Earth, Wind, and Fire growing up. And mm-hmm. I found that um, actually listening to the entire album and not buying, like, just a great tips collection. There's so much great gems and the albums from Stevie Wonder, from Hell from oh, the Jacksons, yeah. from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like the album tracks are better than a lot of people's entire albums that come out today. Now, I'm PC, so I'm not going to say any names, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I feel you. I so agree with that. Sometimes the album cuts are, are the ones that should be the most popular, but I feel like that's classic. That's just how it goes in the industry. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, All right, so you grew up in Cali, did your thing in Cali, but you went to the other coast to, for your higher education. So while you're at NYU, you know, you're studying music, you're studying business, but how did the music scene in NY kind of differ from the L.A. music scene? When I was living in New York, I felt a sort of more like tangible and accessible way to tap into the music scene there just because I think the way the city is laid out, physically speaking, it's a a super walkable city, which sort of allows you to stumble upon these venues and um, little music houses and open mics and little cafes and things where you're hearing music constantly, which made it feel very European in in a sense. Um, So that was really cool because I would find all these little spots to sign up and play a couple songs just randomly. I remember on Thursdays there was a cafe in the West Village that I'd go to and play. Um, And that was so fun. I, I do really miss that. In L.A., it's different in the way that you got to sort of plan out your day. You have to know exactly where you're going, 
it's less of a stumble upon a cool spot just because it's not so walkable. Um, however, once you're sort of in the LA music scene, you realize there's like everyone knows each other and it's really wild. It feels like a super tight knit community, even though LA is so widespread. So sometimes I'll be in a session. I'll be like, Oh yeah, you know, I worked with this guy like last week or whatever. They're like, wait, what? No way. Like I lived with him in East Hollywood like two years ago. I'm like, what? You guys are roommates? That's so crazy. Um, and so that's like a lot of being in LA and sort of tapping into that circle has allowed me to meet a lot of people more frequently and find those connections, which is cool. So both are very different um, in their own ways, but they're, they're each as accessible, I would say, as, as long as you're continuing to put, put yourself out there and meeting new people and open to that. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, you figure those are like the two biggest um, cities that people talk about when it comes to music, like, you know, where are you going to go, New York or L.A.? And it's not a shot, like, you know, totally. Chicago or any other major cities, but, you know, like the prime ones are New York and L.A. So I've, I've always been curious how the vibe is kind of different from, for those two. Yeah. All right, so you do your thing at NYU. You, you start, um, you know, release music and everything. How do you, how do you end up linking up with Billy Kay and – Gil Glaze for the songs California and Naked. Um, so Philly Kay and I met in a writing session at a studio a few years ago. Um, and we ended up connecting there and ended up actually dating for a minute. <laughs> and we ended up writing California at his place out in, what was it, Chatsworth or something. Um and that was actually a really fun process. I was super happy with the product and then making the music video to that was like super fun as well. And then for Naked, actually Gil and I were in a class together at NYU. And when he was out here in LA, cause I had moved back to LA after I graduated from NYU in 2015. Um, and then Gil hit me up and was like, Hey, I have this track. I feel like you might like it. So I, I took a listen to it, and I was at some cafe somewhere, and I immediately started hearing some melodies and started writing the song right there. Um, so I would send him ideas back. We'd send each other ideas back and forth, and then finally we, we wrote this track, and it was just honestly, I love top lining to things, um, especially because that allows you to like have space to do your thing on your own and you can send things back and forth. And especially with COVID too, it allows for people to have like sessions uh, virtually if you're able to do that. But uh, yeah, Naked did decently well, like especially being released independently. It was on Sirius XM and got a couple hundred thousand streams, you know, very shortly after its release. So that was, that was a great experience. Yeah, I'm glad you um, mentioned the COVID and as an artist, once again, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a fan, but um, I totally <laughs> respect any artist right now who's out here grinding and doing music because the industry is totally going to change once this stuff is all yeah. over. I mean, even for me as a film critic, you know, also, and as a mm -hmm. entertainment journalist, you know, it's changing 
for me and how I do coverage. But, I mean, you totally have my respect for not sitting around and becoming idle and out here actually dropping music. And, you know, I get it on the one hand that I'm not a fan, I mean, excuse me, that I'm not a uh, artist per se, but this is 2020, and it is so easy to cut an album now and uh, release music right. <laughs> independently. It's, it's no reason why if you're an artist from the 80s or from the 70s or whatever, if you have your master's, I'd be out there myself saying, look, I'm looking for the hottest producers right now. I have an album that I never released. I have the masters. I have the acapellas. I want to re-release it with your beats for a modern crowd. And right now it's like, you know, we're dying for fresh entertainment. So totally. get out there, grind, you know, release music. That's just my little tangent, my little spiel. So no shade to anybody, but um, <laughs> no at all. Yeah, I think I think there's also something to be said about during this time, I've noticed that people are really receptive to, you know, cold calls and emails because they realize that that's the only, only way to connect right now. So I think, um, you know, I've been able to meet some really dope people just by messaging them or communicating with them via Instagram or emails. And it's cool to see that people who might seem out of reach because of however they, you know, appear on social media or whatever their credits are, they actually are, or at least in my experience, they've been really receptive and open to chatting with me, which I've really, really capitalized upon during this time. Please tell them, that's that's how I got in contact with you, just. You know, being a, <laughs> yeah. uh, liking your music, and, you know, I see you yeah. on Instagram, was like, all right, well, she says contact her, so, you know, I took a, yeah. took a gym, and, you know, it, it paid off. Now I'm talking to the talented, you know, the hyper cool, the, <laughs> you know, down to earth, Miss Maddie, California chick. Aww. So, again, thank you, for, thank you for that. Dude, thank you for having me. I, I feel the same way about you. All right, so it's uh, 2018. You know, you dropped the Just One EP, which is kind of the thing now. Instead of doing an album, you do an EP. So how was the recording process for Just One, and how long did it take you to do that one? Yeah, that, that recording process was really fun. I ended up hiring this dope uh, music producer out of Berkeley College of Music, and he had just moved to L.A. We got connected through a friend, um, and we did the whole EP together just straight out of his bedroom. And actually, the, the reason I ended up hiring him was we had a session together and wrote a song together. And I loved the outcome of it so much. I was like, wait, dude, would you, would you like produce like four other songs of mine? And he's like, yeah, for sure. So that ended up working out super well. And we, yeah, we just, I mean, these days, like you were just saying too, you can record stuff from your bedroom. You don't need crazy studios and crazy budgets to create art. So I think if you meet the right people and you have a good time creating, that's really all that matters. Of course, you want to like be diligent about your process and the quality that comes out. But ultimately, as long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. Definitely. 
All right, so, you know, I told you, you know, when we started that I'm I'm a fan of your slow jam, good love, <laughs> and, you know, I think you're trying to, you know, start a little bit something. So before we talk about that song, you know, can we talk about the album cover, Miss Maddie, and the the video, yeah. you know, I mean, what are you going for, trying to get your little grown and sexy on, or just, you know, tell us <laughs> about good love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the artwork for Good Love was was really thought out. I really wanted to incorporate a couple of different elements, the water aspect of things, which is why I'm like, my arms are sprawled out in um, a pool. And then I have the flowers sort of scattered around me. And water, to me, is very representative of like washing away the old and starting starting fresh, um, which is what good love a lot of it's about. It's about like standing your ground, demanding the kind of love that you're looking for, um, and mostly beginning with yourself, though. And so the flowers represent growth um, in changing, in recognizing your path and the things that you want to work on so that you can give that kind of love that you're looking for as well. Nice, nice. And was the, uh, <laughs> not, to get too, not to get too personal, you know, not to get up in your Kool-Aid and all that in your business, but uh, <laughs> was the song about a certain individual back in the day? I think it was, I mean, no. Short answer, no. It was mostly, I hadn't been dating for like two years. I decided to take a minute, a long minute off and just focus on myself and be like, okay, why are these relationships that I'm getting myself into not working out? Why are they toxic? Why do they feel not good? Let me take a minute, step back. I clearly need to do some work on myself because I'm choosing these people who are not, like, you know, treating me right and whatever. So that, I, I swear to God, like, I started producing that song just in my bedroom. I had, like, a cool chord progression and, like, a beat and a vibe. And then I just turned the mic on, and I started just singing sort of gibberish. And then the idea just, like, sort of flowed out of me, and, and then I ended up, like, developing it further. So that was really – it almost was, like, just came out of my soul, which was maybe sounds a little crazy, but it was very poignant for, like, the moment that I was in emotionally at that point. And so I was super, super stoked about the fact that I not only, like – produced this track myself and engineered it and played it and wrote it and whatever, but also how it just sort of came naturally. Cool. Cool. And you got another joint that I, that I, that I got on repeat. Um, <laughs> can we slow? So yeah. if you could throw on any artists in the industry right now for like an all-star ladies only remix, give me um, hey. three artists you're going to throw on there. Ladies only. Oh my gosh. I would say her, Janae Aiko, or, you know, I've been really vibing with Mahalia lately. I love her stuff. She's a, a British artist. Um, yeah. Oh, there's so many artists, but wow, those three right now, I've been bumping them like crazy <laughs> day and night. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to sidetrack really quick since we're talking about um, female singers. 
Have you had a chance to hear um, Brandy's latest album, B7? No. I, ha- I heard, like, one of the songs, but I haven't listened to the full album yet. Yeah, it's, um, and I say this as a non-Brandy fan, because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I like Brandy, but it's like I'm not a diehard fan. Not a super you know, fan. Yeah, no, it, it, it's actually, it, it's a very good album. It's um very personal, very therapeutic, whatever she was um going through. So, yeah, definitely check that out when you get the time. And I think okay. I'm, not, I'm not a Brandy fan at all, but when, even if I'm like an artist, whenever they do a good album, I will give credit when credit is due. She really impressed me with her um with her latest album. Now, Jagged Edge, right. that's another story for another kind you know, for, <laughs> For another time, yeah, Brandy is definitely dope. All right, Amazing. so during the COVID, I feel the same way, yeah. During the COVID, are there uh, any shows you've been binging in your downtime? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the newest one, How to Get Away with Murder. been staying up till like, 5 a.m. watching that, which is <laughs> very dangerous. <laughs> it's so addictive. Um, and then also... I just didn't, I constantly have Broad City on. I think I've seen that, like, I don't know, three times over. It's my go-to. I feel like they're my soul sisters, and they're, like, my funny, better halves out in New York. <laughs> I feel, like, a very strong connection to them, and I do not know them. <laughs> yeah, I finally, um, during the COVID, uh, uh, Wifey and I, we finally got into um, – Insecure, and I purposely yes. waited to watch Insecure because I try to avoid watching a show in its hype. You know, when everybody's talking about it, it's just one of my um, quizzes, if you will. So she started. She 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 watched um, Wentworth on Netflix, and then she's like, "Well, let's let's try Insecure." So she started it, and I'm like, "All right, man, I'm a, I'm gonna give it a chance." And I I think we binge mm. the entire four seasons and like three or four days is like, I mean, we were staying up to like you, like 1130 yeah. every night watching the security <laughs> and, um, you know, get up the, the next day. But hey, I mean, I've watched uh, so many things that I wouldn't have watched, you know, normally without the COVID. And I mean, I think again, you know, with the COVID, despite the negative side to it, I think now it's giving people a chance to really see what else is out there and kind of, Turn off, you will, up the mainstream and check out independent artists. Check out foreign TV shows. Check out indie films. You know, don't don't just yeah. you know focus on the mainstream. Focus on the other talent that's out there. Mhm. Absolutely. All right. So as a as a singer, songwriter, very talented one at that. What are three Aww. essential albums that you would um? require your students to listen to if you were teaching a music class? Hmm. That is a really good question. I think I've got three for different reasons. So I would pick Continuum by John Mayer because I think the lyrical content and his perspective is super unique. And it sort of allows for people to connect with him on a, a level that's personal to him, but also feels relatable. And then I would pick Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves because I think the elements in the production really complement her vocal style and her lyrics. And the mix is just phenomenal, I feel like, on that entire album. 
And then, of course, just as a whole, songs in the key of life, Stevie Wonder. The feel, the emotion, and just the whole vibe of that album is just a, an essential. Yeah, I was waiting on that one. Wait on you say songs in the key of life. Every yes. person, every person that I interview, they always throw in, um, you know, when I when I ask a question about it, you know, whether it's influences or central album or like you know album on repeat, it's always going to be songs in the key of life. And um, I yeah. I always say that if they ever do a biopic on Stevie Wonder, they could just essentially focus on the making of the songs in the key of life, and that right there is yep. your movie. You know, you don't got to go into oh, yeah. 80s stuff, nothing else. You can just focus on the making <laughs> of songs in the key of life because a lot of people don't know that right before that, you know, he almost died in that car accident. And yeah. it'd be the perfect story of uh, adversity and, you know, an underdog getting back on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so, you know, we got to get some hard questions, but, you know, before we talk about uh, that new single, Lucky. So, you know, let's uh, try to <laughs> trip you up really quick. All right, oh, no. so when visiting LA, visiting LA, what's one eatery every tourist should make a should make time to visit if they're looking for the best tacos in LA? Ooh, tacos. Um, I recently discovered um, Tacos Tu Madre. It's a a little spot actually close by me. I'm in West Hollywood, and there's one on Larchmont. Phenomenal for tacos. But honestly, there's so many different places to get tacos in L.A. And there's so, there's just like, I swear, some of the best best restaurants are here. But you do have to do a little bit of digging because sometimes it can be hit or miss. So, like, best pizza, for instance, Pizzana, hands down. I've converted all of my friends. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so it's a uh, versus going on. And the mm-hmm. judge, Stevie Wonder, and Stevie Wonder, of course, you know, he's going to be judging by ear, but the competitors are Billy Joel and John Legend. Who do you think is going to win the piano battle between John Legend and Billy Joel with Stevie Wonder judging by ear? Oh, man. <sighs> That's tricky because I feel like a lot of John Legend's style is very like vocal heavy and that's like the prominent aspect of it with billy joel sometimes i hear i feel like i hear way more piano solos and that's a, it's just they're just entirely different styles but uh, honestly i think i'm gonna go with billy joel for piano yeah, yeah well he is the piano man <laughs> yep <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's yeah. it's not a shot at um not a shot at John and I actually defend John Legend a lot <laughs> but mm-hmm. to, to a lot of people to say his stuff is boring and I like I tell people the thing about John Legend is he has he has he has songs you can just ride to and you can play it's not a lot but mm-hmm. he's a musician and John Legend is somebody you really got to see live to truly appreciate his talent. And to see what he can really see what he can really do, because you know he's a musician, not really a uh, artist. I mean, I love hip hop, but I feel the same way about the roots. Like you know, I get more enjoyment 
out of the roots seeing them live than I do mm-hmm. like just being in my car driving around. Like, you know, I'm not playing the roots while I'm driving around totally. on the road trip. Because you know, yeah. band, you, you got to see them live to really get the experience. Yeah. All right. So this last uh, tough question before we get into lucky is okay. If you could see one artist biopic on the big screen, who would you pick and why? If I could see it, or if I could portray see it. Yeah, like, anyone. Like who? Whose story? Whose story do you want to see told on the big screen? Oh. I mean, I think, okay, I think JoJo would be someone whose story would be surprisingly fascinating. And I don't think she gets enough credit for all the hard work that she's put into her artistry and her, like, devotion to her career and her fan base. And she also is just, like, she seems like such a cool person. I've seen her live a couple times, and she seems so down to earth and relatable and she's a dancer a phenomenal singer she crosses genres I, I don't know that's that's my that's my pick and I also feel like I like grew up with her too like I've seen her she's like a couple years older than me and um I feel like I've seen her change over time and evolve her career to fit what she needs while also keeping in mind her fan base and what they need too Cool. I, yeah, yeah. Jojo jo- jo has. I mean, well, really, the biopics with, with with me just being a film person and me being a music person also, mm-hmm. you can really pretty much tell anybody's story on the big screen. It's just a matter of of the angle that you decide to take. And somebody mm-hmm. like I said earlier with Stevie Wonder, you know, you can just focus on songs in the key of life. You will have a hell of a movie with Prince. Totally. You can just focus on Prince. You know, becoming the symbol and what he foresaw music where it is now that right so that right there in itself is a story so i think anybody has a story that's in the music industry it's just a matter of the angle you decide to take and what you decide to focus on you're not sure i do like you know birth to death you can just focus key parts totally. of their of their life that's just my little uh spill some biopic fan all right Ms. Maddie, yeah before, I, we I go, you. before we go Tell us about uh, Lucky, the inspiration behind it. And, folks, Lucky is a hell of a track, and it's available on all streaming platforms. But you have the pristine pleasure of not only hearing the song at the the close of this interview, you get to hear about the process, uh, the schematics, uh, just the vibe, (laughs) if you will, from the artist herself. So tell us about Lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So one of my producer friends sent me this track, and he's like, hey, I feel like you would killed it. I listened to it and immediately I was like, oh, I am vibing with this track. All right. So I went on a walk and I was thinking about someone I started seeing early on, um, like right before quarantine hit. And essentially I, I wrote this song about like, like you could be getting lucky. Like we have to deal with the fact that we can't really see each other because of COVID but we're building this relationship virtually and getting to know each other. And honestly, the song sort of just flowed. Sometimes, sometimes I go through, you know, dips in the process where I'm like, oh, nothing's coming to me right now. And then other times I'm just like, oh, my God, like, here we go. We're spitballing this. And it's just like, it's just like coming, you know. 
Um, so I went on a walk around my little neighborhood and just pretty much wrote the entire thing right there. Um, and yeah, I'm so excited. I'm, the song has been out just for a little bit now, what, a couple of weeks or something. And I've got a, a music video coming out for it soon. I'm so excited about. So that was also such an interesting process to do a, you know, social distancing style music video with the director and videographer um, sort of guiding me via Zoom while I was like, you know, dancing and, and having, you know, different scenes that they had suggested for me. So, yeah, I'm so excited about it. It's a really fun song. Cool, cool. All right, folks, we're going to close the show out with an exclusive from Miss Maddie Ranger, and that's Lucky. But before we go, you know, where can fans find you on social media, and is there anything you'd like to add? Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I um, have really loved connecting with you in this way. Hopefully we can meet in person one day. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm um, mostly active on Instagram. That's where I connect with most of my fans. And you can follow me at Maddie Ringe, which is M-A-D-I-R-I-N-D-G-E. Cool, cool. All right, folks, this has been – Derek Dunn and the uberly talented, the California down-to-earth, all-around <laughs> talented individual, fan of How to Get Away with Murder, fan of Insecure, <laughs> taco fan, just a beautiful spirit, Miss <laughs> Maddie Ringe, and she blessed my oh. podcast with her boisterous personality. And, folks, that's what it's all about And times like this is just staying positive and having – a beautiful spirit, and the smallest thing, a simple hello or a simple text message you want to hear somebody you haven't talked to in a while can help out. Yeah. So before we get to Lucky, I'm going to leave with a quote like always, and that is, keep your head to the sky. This is Derek Dunn with Maddie Ringe on Abused and Done, Done Out, and this is Lucky by Maddie Ringe. Driveway, think about how much longer I can wait. My willpower is truly being played. This is us in the quarantine, trying to touch through the distancing. I'm sending pictures till 3 a.m. Remind you what you gotta do when this thing ends. So golden, what a feeling. 24 carat healing. Think it's safe to say.
for another episode of Reviews and Done with your suave host, Derek Dunn.